Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CAF America Radio Network, a production of the Charities Aid Foundation of America. As the leader in global giving, CAF America offers more than 20 years of experience and expertise to corporations, foundations, and individuals who wish to give internationally and with enhanced due diligence in the United States. Through its industry-leading grant management programs and philanthropic advisory services, CAF America helps donors amplify their impact. This show is dedicated to these donors and the charities they support. CAF America is uniquely positioned to serve as the bridge between these important partners and transforms vision into meaningful action. Guests on the CAF America Radio Network are leaders in their field who share tips for success and stories that inspire. Our host is Ted Hart, the CEO of the Charities Aid Foundation of America. This is a live call-in show. Add your voice by calling 914-338-0855. After the show, you can find all of our podcasts at CAFAmerica.org. Don't forget to dial 914-338-0855. Now, welcome the host of the CAF America Radio Network, Ted Hart. And welcome to this latest edition of the CAF America Radio Network. Uh, we have a very important topic for you today. Uh, the topic is to lead or to follow navigating the sustainable development goals. And I think it's uh, safe to say the sustainable development goals is something that's on all of our minds throughout philanthropy. And today uh, we have an expert uh, to help us explore this very important topic, Amanda MacArthur is the Vice President of Global Pro Bono and Engagement at Pixera Global. Uh, she leads the organization's pro bono, global pro bono practice. Amanda's team leads uh, the design, implementation, and measurement of the impact on an array of programs that link the power of human capital to initiatives addressing complex development challenges while building leadership, competencies, enhancing global perspectives, and encouraging innovation and out-of-the-box thinking for corporate employees. A lot on your plate over there, Pixera Global. Welcome here to the CAF America Radio Network, Amanda MacArthur. Thank you so much. We are certainly keeping ourselves busy. Pixera Global is situated at the crossroads of three very important sectors, public, private, and social. Um, that's not always easy to do. I uh, wondered if we might start out with um, a little bit about Pixera Global and how it builds partnerships to achieve social impact, uh, and then we'll start talking about the sustainable development goals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Pixera Global has been around for about 25 years, um, and in that time, we've really worked kind of across the spectrum, um, working primarily as a donor-funded organization, uh, working with a lot of multinationals, working with small local organizations. And so, you know, one of the things that we learned and, and have learned is kind of how to speak a number of different languages, the language of private sector, the language of public sector, and the language of the social sector, and then acting as a translator amongst those three groups. Um, it's a little more challenging than you might think. Um, there's lots of different acronyms, um, different priorities, and different areas um, of um, kind of expertise and, you know, all, all of that that goes along with it. So um, at Pixera Global, we really believe that in order to address the most difficult challenges that the world faces, and, you know, they're kind of getting more and more complex all the time, 
the only way we're really going to do that is through these partnerships that bring the unique expertise of each sector to the table. So, you know, where the private sector is really great at innovating and working quickly, government is very good at bringing things to scale, and social sector is really good at getting down kind of deep into the community level. So we try to act as a conduit um, amongst all those three and really um, bring their strengths all to the forefront. Well, and of course that that brings us to, you know, one of the probably more complex um, and complete set of global goals, also known as the Sustainable Development Goals. And just like CAF America, uh, Pixera Global uh, works in these very complex matrices of lots of stakeholders and lots of partners, uh, those who are trying to come together and to do great good, uh, but to also do it oftentimes on a great scale, sometimes on a small scale, but it all adds up to making a difference around the world. Um, and in building those kinds of partnerships between the three sectors that, that you just mentioned, uh, corporate, nonprofit, uh, and government, um, how do those kinds of partnerships come together? And then if you can sort of segue into, just for our, our listeners today, what does that specifically mean to the Sustainable Development Goals? Well, you know, I mean, I think the essence of, of partnership um, is really communication. And I would love to say that there's some sort of science behind, um, you know, getting them right and getting them off the ground, that there are maybe, you know, three or five steps that you can take. But the truth is that it's an art and that it takes um, a lot of back and forth. It takes some, um, some ability to... Um, uh, perhaps allow someone who has a different um, end goal than you um, to be kind of on the same team. I think one of the things we really believe at um, Pixera Global is that you don't actually have to have the same ultimate end goal, but your goals can't be in conflict. And so, you know, I think really early on you have to work out where there um, might be potential conflicts and determine if they are um, possible to um, you know, overcome or if there are ways to ameliorate them or if that's kind of, you know, something that is ultimately going to be detrimental to the partnership. Um, you know, I think where we've seen really successful partnerships come together um, in places like India um, and Ghana and, you know, some of our most successful partnerships are places where we just have this really open co communication line. And, you know, we're able and I'm willing to say to people, um, to our counterparts, this isn't working, this is why, um, and this is how we think we can fix it, and, and vice versa. Um, and I think if you don't do that, and sometimes that can be challenging um, for folks, especially in the social sector, because um, other, other partners might be coming with money, um, but you really have to kind of recognize where your expertise is um, and um, be willing to be um, perhaps flexible in other areas. Uh, with regards to the sustainable development goals, you know, I think one of the things that makes them such a improvement over the Millennium Development Goals is this inclusion of Goal 17, which is all around partnerships, and this recognition that these challenges are so complex that we really are going to have to um, work around everybody's expertise, and we're really going to have to bring everybody to the table. These are big tent problems that impact uh, the entire world as well as just, you know, very, very localized communities. Um, so I think that's really, really important. And where there's going to be, I think, some really interesting things in the next 15 years is these, these partnerships um, between kind of perhaps disparate 
um, disparate actors or maybe folks that haven't sat at the same table before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of the thing with yeah, partnerships and, and, is having to uh, give up. Oh, sorry. Well, no, no, you're 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 absolutely right. What I was going to say is is you know oftentimes sort of those new partners that may be coming to the the table on this global scale that that was not as as evident uh, under the Millennium Development Goals uh, is philanthropy. Philanthropists uh, donated dollars uh, coming into uh, the sector looking to make a difference on these very large goals. And as I often mention uh, to people, is if this wasn't hard. If this wasn't complex, if this wasn't truly global, then they wouldn't be the kinds of sustainable development goals that uh, that we'd be uh, uh, trying to coalesce uh, support for. So they are big, they are hard, and it, as you just said, it's going to take a lot of people coming to the table with a lot of different expertise. So I I just wanted to ask you as you're sort of maneuvering and working through this matrix of of players. Um, of course, our partnership we're very very proud to have the partnership with Pixar Global. Uh, where does philanthropy fit within that now, and what do you imagine for the future? You know, I think um, the role of philanthropy is just continuing to grow. Um, I think one of the things that is really great and really interesting is how um, players like Gates and Rockefeller have kind of changed the ballgame um, because of the um, not only the amount of money that they're putting into some of these challenges, but the the um, level of scrutiny that they're able to apply, which really holds everyone at the table to account. Um, and that is a little different than you might have seen in the past. Um, I think what we're seeing increasingly also is kind of the power of individuals to make change um, and to, um, you know, there's not um, – you know, you can you can work in your in your own community, or you can work in a, in a specific community, and and really be a powerful change maker um, from a philanthropic perspective. Um, but taking kind of more of a perhaps more of a business approach to it, and really demanding returns, and I'm really looking at impact in a much more sophisticated way than might have in the past. That's that's certainly what we're seeing um, from some of our our work um, working with on the flip. Uh, some of our philanthropic donors as opposed to kind of our um, government side donors or our corporate corporate donors corporate partners yeah and, and one of the things that we're we're certainly seeing here at uh, at calf America uh, donor advice funds is the the pre planning the thinking of the impact before the grant is made um, the the putting together of a, of a whole package which I think you know arguably in the past it would be a really great idea. Let's go ahead and fund this, and then afterwards, let's sort of see if anything came of it. Um, but there's a lot more thinking and planning that's going into the actual uh, uh, upfront work, but then the execution itself. Do you do you see that as sort of a a big change in uh, really the last five years? Yeah, I really do, and I really think that the um, the influence of the philanthropic sector is really powerful there. You know, I think um, there is sometimes a tendency to kind of a one-size-fits-all solution. You know, if um, you're having challenges, just for example, um, one of the projects that we work on is post-harvest loss, and um, which means food that um, does not make it to um, processing or to market um, to consumers. So huge amounts of food is lost on an annual basis just because it doesn't make it from the vine essentially to um, to a processing plant or, or to to a consumer. Um, 
and we are working on a project right now that is looking at it um, with a in a specific community with um, a specific crop. But the same funder is doing that also in another country with a different crop and different um, different environment. And so I think that's really important. And that's something that's new um, or newer is this ability to localize things. And this localization is really huge. Um, USAID has a huge localization project or um, initiative, um, USAID Forward, which is really looking to get as much local impact and local input, I think is probably more important to say, um, into these programs. Um, and then even when we're looking at some of the types of programs that I design and I run, our global pro bono programs, those really are about taking corporate employees and putting them in communities that they're not from, that they're not used to, and asking them to understand um, what life is like while contributing um, to um, improving operations for a local organization at the same time um, in a way that you're just not going to you're not going to see from a typical business trip. You know, the, a Hilton in Cleveland is a Hilton in Mumbai. Um, whereas, if you are much more at the ground level, you have you're going to gain a better understanding of um, how a place operates. Um, and I think that is um, increasingly important. Um, we do live in a globalized world, so there are some things that um, are you know, global, um, but we're all still, you know, there's different cultural norms, there's different histories, there's different realities um, that we must pay um, so much attention to and increasing attention to. Increasingly in moving in that direction, it's often an issue of sort of empathy meets hard-nosed business. And for a lot of businesses trying to align, whether whether it's it's actually the the sustainable development goals or if it's it's just looking to make an impact, oftentimes that that does need to be within a business context. How do you see that um, happening and working? And do you have some examples that that you might point to in terms of how businesses can successfully make this part of their ecosystem? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that that idea of empathy is really important. Um, I think oftentimes, I think especially in the United States, just because um, we are something of a dominant cultural force, we have a tendency to take for granted that people are going to operate in the same way we do. Um, and so, you know, when you get to a place like India where, you know, the, just the middle class is larger than the United States, um, the population of the United States, um, obviously the potential is huge. Um, but you can't operate in India in the way that you operate in the United States. So it does take this ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Um, and where I, you know, I think you're seeing business pay attention to that is this realization that, you know, markets are different um, and recognizing that emerging markets are the markets of the future. So they need to understand um, at a personal level um, in a way that they, I think, maybe didn't think about before quite as much um, how to operate in these places where, you know, things like access to clean water um, is an issue. And what does that mean for your workforce? If, you know, you have a workforce who um, is getting ill because they don't have access to clean water, that impacts your ability to um, deliver a product. Or if you have um, a poor education system and you're not able to get students or to get the right workforce, um, workers, what does that mean for your business? You're not going to be able to grow it. And so, you know, it's just so much more complex, the different um, areas yeah. you have to look at and therefore be aware of. And I, I think, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, it's interesting as I, I'm, I'm a bit of a, of a history buff. 
And it's it's interesting to me that model that seems and feels a bit new um, is is and is very successful. Uh, just finishing a, an autobiography of Henry Ford, and one of the things that that he did that was very innovative back in the early 1900s was to do a survey of all of his employees in terms of their living conditions at home. So they would come to the plant and they would work all day, but what did they go home to? And what he found is that uh, um, at that point, a majority of his employees were literally living you know, at the poverty level. They, they were a little more than, than living in slums. And so he took it upon himself to say, listen, you know, someone who wants to work hard and is maybe not successful maybe needs more education. Someone who is ill and not able to get to work maybe needs a hospital. And so he built schools and he built libraries and he built hospitals, which all were very good for building community and, and you know, had some altruistic notion to it, but at the same time made them much more uh, successful as employees. And the profits of uh, Ford Motor Company skyrocketed. Um, and his employees were far more efficient and effective than his competitors. Um, and the the notion of how philanthropy can build communities, can change lives, but also can and, and sort of, you know, uh, we don't need to apologize for the fact that that can also be good for business because successful businesses can be good for for communities. So there there is an ecosystem here where philanthropy can can really be sort of the grease to making all that happen. Um and, and it's interesting to me to see that that sort of holistic approach sort of returning to philanthropy. Yeah, you know, I think this whole like this idea of systems thinking is is increasingly important, and it's something that really, um, especially in the development space, hasn't. Um, maybe hasn't been taken advantage of like it should, you know, um, it's been very siloed, you know, this, this program is about education and therefore all the money is about education, but we're not paying attention to the fact that, you know, part of the reason children aren't showing up at school or girls aren't showing up at school is because they're walking to get water every day or because there aren't appropriate toilet facilities. Um, and, right. Um, you know, or because they have to work on um, the family farm. Well, what does that have to do with agriculture? You know, so therefore education is an agricultural program. It is also a water and sanitation program. You know, it's That's also a right. uh, women's health issue. So, um, you know, all of these things need to be interconnected. And hopefully what the Sustainable Development Goals will do is provide a platform for people to be able to make those connections and say, okay, I, my end goal is to, you know, get more girls through um, secondary school because we know that that is the single biggest determinant of um, their future earning and their children's ability to get through school. You know, there's all of these um, very positive indicators that come with each year that a girl is able to stay in school. But, you know, there's a whole environment in which she lives um, and exists that has to be, um, if not addressed, then at least um, acknowledged. Um, and I think that is really where a sea change is kind of happening, hopefully, um, in the philanthropy community um, and in, um, in just in international development in general. 
Well, Pixera certainly seems to be sort of right at the the center of all of that, and as you said, a, a matrix of of players. We're going to take a, a very quick break. When we come back, I wondered if you could help um, our listeners make sense of the fact that there are 17 goals within the uh, sustainable development goals. As you said, very broad, very global, um, lots of work to be done. But someone who wants to be involved, how do they make sense of so much sort of high thinking within the 17 goals and make uh, themselves um, a, a, a part of the success of hopefully meeting uh, these sustainable goals and making a better planet. We'll be right back. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at capamerica.org. If you're listening today, our phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 914-338-0855. Now, back to the Cap America Radio Network and our host, Ted Hart. And we are back here on the Cap America Radio Network with Amanda MacArthur, Vice President of Global Pro Bono and Engagement at Prixera Global. And uh, Amanda, I was wondering if you could help us make sense of you know, these very big goals, but how can you make a difference? Yeah, you know, and I think we should think of the goals as aspirations. Um, you know, goal number one is end all poverty in all forms everywhere. Well, you know, the reality is that even in, you know, we, if we put all our effort towards that in 15 years, that's probably not um, realistic. But it's hugely important to have an, a, a goal, to have an, a, a, an end point. Um, so I think we have to not get caught up in the um, uh, kind of the, the flourish around the goals. What we have to say is these are really important issues that are, comp- that are complex and that are challenging, but which also um, – are, you know, attainable in some degree and that have um, the opportunity for, for small, small successes that will ultimately lead to a large, a large reward. So one of the things we talk a lot about at Pixar Global is what are the actionable problems? How can we break these goals down into things that we think are, um, are able to be addressed? You know, take a take the problem and, and break it down into its subcomponents. So, for example, I mentioned post-harvest loss before. Well, you know, that's really about market linkages and transportation and, you know, getting uh, produce to processing into market. And, and that's something that, you know, we know how to do. Um, and so if we look at it from that perspective, I think, um, you know, that's the type of thing that falls under, you know, the larger um, – the larger agriculture goal, but which um, we can take um, we can take steps to address, um, and I think that's really important. Um, you know, I think um, as far as how people can become involved in their own way, um, you know, I think taking a really take a look at the goals. Right, there's 17 of them, and they actually are you know they're broken down into kind of um, very discrete areas recognizing like I said earlier that they are all interconnected but um and say where where do I have expertise where do I have knowledge where do I have interest that I can contribute to um some aspect of this right it's it's we're never going to solve um you know clean water and sanitation everywhere altogether we're going to solve it with local solutions um in 
um, individual communities or individual countries over a period of time. And so I think, you know, kind of thinking of it in more bite-sized ways is one way to do it. Yeah. Well, I also think, you know, the, taking a look at the goals, as you said, they're they're very broad and, and very aspirational. But, but I also take a look at it as sort of a checklist of things that we need to make very sincere progress on, because if we get to the end of the development goals uh, period, and we've not made some progress on all these goals, um, we may not even have a habitable planet. Um, and certainly we will not have uh, made it a better place for our fellow human beings to live, uh, to live well and to, to raise their families. So it, it's really about being good stewards. It's about showing empathy to others. But it's also recognizing the fact that, you know, while we live on this planet and we certainly take from this planet, um, if we don't seriously have a set of, of goals or, you know, check boxes of things that we need to be making progress on, um, they, they could literally overtake the human race. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, where there's a critical moment um, and the reason, you know, I think one of the great things about the sustainable development goals is that they really were a, a, a developed in a big tent, whereas the Millennium Development Goals, we kind of joke that they were, you know, some some guys in the back room of the UN who basically came up with these, you know, eight goals that they were going to, you know, address. Um, these really were, I mean, they were taken on a roadshow, you know, uh, private sector companies were asked to contribute, you know, large philanthropic donors were asked to contribute, individual people were asked to contribute, countries, you know, so these really all came together, um, and we joke about the fact that there are 17 of them, it seems just like there's too many, but, um, but it's because everybody has recognizes that these are the these are the challenges that face our world, um, and because of the Big Ten aspect of it, um, you know they they have some um, some veritas some veritas or some you know some gravity to them um, that I think we need to really pay attention to. I agree, and and part of uh, corporations being involved, of course, is employee engagement. Um, and that's a, a very important part of the work that you do that can add effectiveness to philanthropy. Can you talk to us a little bit about it's not just about the dollars? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think um, any company you talk to will tell you that their greatest resource is their human capital, um, and I think that really is true. I, I am so blessed to be able to work with um, a number of multinational companies and, and their employees, and they really are just really smart, really passionate people, um, and this having the opportunity to take them to a place they haven't been before, to switch up their perspective, to look at life slightly differently, perhaps appreciate their own life a little bit more, um, is, is really, you know, a passion of mine and something that I'm so, so lucky to be able to, um, to provide. What I think it does to um, – for the business is it gives the business a, an opportunity to really make a positive impact in the world. Um, and hopefully these people are now coming back to their day jobs and saying, you know, I know how we can apply our business in a way that will be, um, be more powerful and more positive in the communities in which we operate. And, you know, maybe that's a global community or maybe it's just their community at home. Um, you know, some of our clients really use these programs as a way to kind of capture innovation. How do we need to adapt our products and services to meet these markets, which is clearly a, you know, profit-driven idea. But I think one of the things you always have to think about in emerging markets is that, you know, 
these are um, these are countries that oftentimes were kind of given the leftovers as far as or oh this this product worked in um, the United States or Europe and so then we're just gonna you know send it to um, to Nigeria and it'll it'll work the same and by actually putting people on the ground they say you know we need to actually adapt this um, and we need to take into account the cultural realities and the infrastructure realities and you know all of those sorts of things and and you you drive your consumer base um, in that way um, which I think is really potentially powerful um, exactly but I also I also think this just, you know, this opportunity for um, to have more global employees, um, we can't, you know, we kind of can't underestimate um, what that means, um, just from a peace and security perspective as well. You know, I think. Sure. Well, um, and the ability to broaden the horizons of any employee uh, makes them a better asset. I, I'm sorry to say we're we're just about out of time. It only always goes much faster than we would like when we have such fascinating topics and such terrific uh, experts as yourself. Um, before we wrap up in just about a minute, can you please tell our listeners how they can reach you? Yeah, absolutely. You can um, find me at A-M-A-C-A-R-T-H-U-R at P-Y-X-E-R-A global.org, or you can find me on Twitter at um, A-M-A-C-A underscore D-C. That's terrific. And Amanda MacArthur is a Vice President of Global Pro Bono and Engagement at Pixera Global. Thank you so much for being our guest today here on the CAF America Radio Network. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You've been listening to the CAF America Radio Network. Tell all your friends and colleagues to check out our production schedule. Sign up for our free newsletter and download our iPad and iPod-friendly podcasts at CAFAmerica.org. Thanks for listening to the CAF America Radio Network.